before we get started today, wanted to let you know about a new podcast. You already know about it because you listened to this one. Dominique Foxworth, who is on this show every Tuesday, has his own show. It is the Dominique Foxworth Show. You can check it out twice a week. He is bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities around it, anything else he finds interesting. Um, you know Dominique. You know how brilliant he is. Download, subscribe, make the right choice. Listen wherever you get your pods. Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks Saquon Barkley is and always will be the best running back in the NFL. For obvious reasons, that's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined by Justice Mosqueda. Justice, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I didn't scare you off. Um, Justice, uh, for those who don't know, covers the Packers at acmepackingco.com. Um, you can find him on Twitter, J-U-M-O-S-Q, I believe, off the top of my head. Uh, and I, 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 I was trying to pick the best week. I chose this week because I was looking at the calendar and I thought this Packers bucket, I kind of like penciled it in. I think I, reached, I, I chose it about a month ago. And I still think it is a very glamorous and exciting game. Maybe it lost a teeny bit of its luster. I don't know. How do you feel about this? So we're going to talk about a bunch of games uh, I figure though we should start with Packers Bucks. How do you like? What is your temperature level going into this? My temperature level after Week One would have been like mentally, <laughs> I had already started at one and two. I'm like, we'll beat the Bears. We're going to lose to the Bucks. But now with all the injuries that the Bucks are yeah. dealing with, um, I'm at firmly like I want to believe. I'm I'm never confident going into a game against Tom Brady that they're going to win. The Packers are. Uh, 0-2 against Brady when he's been with the Buccaneers. But, you know, with all these injuries, so we got the confirmed Mike Evans suspension, right, mm-hmm. after he attempted to appeal. Julio Jones was a game-time decision last week, didn't practice today because he had a veteran rest day. So uncertain about his status, he's probably leaning to play. Chris Godwin didn't return to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, Donovan Smith, their left tackle, still has a hyperextended elbow, has not returned to practice. His replacement just got put on IR, so they're down to tackle four, starting at left tackle if Donovan Smith can't go. Um, just a lot of injuries and just stuff that Tampa's had to deal with on the offensive side that is making me a little bit more optimistic about the Packers being able to pull this one out. Yeah, the Bucks' offense looks pretty gross right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, uh, they can't really do anything well. Um and, and what something they really can't do well is run the ball. I think, you know, last week against New Orleans, and we'll talk about the defense, and that to me is the sexier side of this game. But, um, you know, they, they came out with an extremely conservative game plan against the Saints, I think just trying to keep Brady upright with that offensive line, get the ball out quick, run the ball a lot on early downs, and, well, it didn't work really well. Um, you know, they scored, they're winning, they won because of their defense, and then they had the... Brady had the nice ball to Perriman, but for the most part, this is it just feels extremely congested. It's not explosive at all. I will I don't know why Russell Gage seems to be uninvolved in this offense after they paid him and I, he was really productive in Atlanta, but he has not really done much for the Bucks or for one of my fantasy teams. Thanks a lot, Russell Gage. Uh and you know, I I think that this Packers defense <sighs> They're a little bit hard to evaluate coming off of a week one where they just had a terrible game plan for Justin Jefferson and the Vikings, and then a week two in which they played the Bears, who are not very good. But I don't know if we're going to learn much about them this week. 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because week one it was just bus all down the secondary, right? Mm-hmm. Just like them actually calling plays and coverages that should have stopped the routes that Justin Jefferson was getting open on. And maybe if, you know, Adrian Amos played something a little differently, then like those would have been interceptions on Kirk Cousins. But because it was coverage bus, he was able to make these like unorthodox plays to Justin Jefferson, who's able to make the most of them. I mean, he got one of them being a long touchdown. So defensively, I'm interested in what Green Bay does their interior outside of Kenny Clark hasn't really done anything this season. Um, Their pass rushers have been solid. You know, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, I think their backups played, their backup outside linebackers played like less than 10 snaps combined, the three outside linebackers who were activated against uh, the Chicago Bears just because the Bears, you know, weren't staying on the field. They were getting three and outs and getting off the field. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if Tampa can stay on the field long enough to kind of exhaust – Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith enough to get those backups who are like, hmm. you're not worried about Jonathan Garvin going against uh, Tom Brady or anything like that. That's when I think their defense is probably, you know, exposed a little. I think if I had more confidence in the Bucks run game, I would actually view this side of the ball as being more competitive because coming out, like there's so little to take away from that Chicago game. I think the mm-hmm. Bears are a really bad football team, but they did run the ball pretty well on the Packers and I do kind of question whether uh, a lot of teams, especially teams with good running games, will be able to run the ball against them. Some of that is the style of defense they play, but some of it is the personnel. You know, I, I have some questions there, but, you know, I alluded to this earlier. I mean, this whew, this Bucks run game at the moment is 23rd, me, 31st in EPA per play, um, second worst in the NFL in yards after contact per run um, versus New Orleans. They just got nothing going on the ground and yeah i i understand like i said earlier why they're calling such a conservative game but it's not it's just not working you know like i know that they want to keep the heat off of brady i get that but this offense as is is it's just so ineffectual yeah they need him to throw the ball to get downfield like they're, they're gonna need to lean on him um the Packers defense and run defense specifically, I think the interesting thing when it matches up with Tampa's run game is if if Green Bay ends up getting a lead, it'll be interesting to see if they start pulling off on the defensive side. That's what they did against Chicago, which is why they were able to get uh, just gash them on run plays in that second to last drive on Sunday night football. Um, they were matching, you know, nickel personnel to ele- or 12 personnel. Um so, you know, the Packers are basically using their nickel corner, Russell Douglas, as the Sam linebacker. And that's when you started seeing a lot of things go south. And they even talked about it after the game and were like, we should probably just stick and like match corners to wide receivers at that point. But they thought because Chicago got two long runs on, I believe it was a second and 10 and then like a second and like 20. I think is what it was. And they both ended up being first downs. And it was because the Packers just assumed like, hey, they're going to pass. There's no chance that they're just throwing 12 personnel (laughs) out there just to mess with us. And they actually stuck to it and ran the damn ball and they ran it well. Yeah. Turns out the Bears are more allergic to passing than do you know how do you know how many completions Justin Fields has beyond the line of scrimmage this year? It's it's a dark, dark eight. 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 Oh my god. Eight. Dominic Foxworth 
was asked to apologize. You know, I don't know if you saw, he had this whole Justin Fields should try to force his way out of Chicago take, which Bears fans absolutely hated. I am not taking a stance on that take. I It is trollish but um, and humorous. But uh, after week one, they were coming at him. After week two, didn't see a lot of people coming at him <laughs> over that. Um, not that Justin Fields, you know, covered himself in glory in that game. But um, the other side of the ball is, is what's really interesting. And I, I think it, there is a little bit of the same thing where I'm not sure how much you can learn about Green Bay playing a Bears defense that I also don't think is very good. But I will say, uh, just aesthetically, or schematically rather, this was sort of the Bears offense that we all expected coming into this season. You know, using, they had uh, both of the running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field. They were doing creative things in the run game. They were um, throwing them the ball. I, I think... I, I kind of I'm, I sort of am confused why we didn't see that week one honestly, but just throwing that away, um, I anticipate a really a lot more of the same versus a Tampa defense that is you know a nightmare to throw against. But I actually think you're gonna have better luck running the ball, it, it, especially I would say running the ball the way the the Packers do, where they have so much success off tackle as opposed to up the gut against Tampa. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see the run game evolve. Um, it wasn't something we saw really in the preseason, but immediately in week one, I'm like, they're running a bunch of pin and pull stuff. Like they're pulling both guards. It's almost like sweet plays, right? Is kind of how people traditionally think of it. And they upped that even more in week two. And, you know, they talked about it after week one, they were saying, you know, we had opportunities and they certainly did. I mean, I think they had like four pin and pulls and all of them went for like first downs. Um, and they're saying, you know, Hey, we want to get the running backs more involved this next week. We want to get the running backs more involved next week. And, they certainly did this past weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how that matches up, you know, a new type of pin and pull system. Cause the Packers traditionally basically hadn't pulled guards at all. Um, that wasn't the way that they ran the football. It was a lot of inside zone, outside zone duo, like almost like every up blocking, if you think of it that way. And now it's just down blocks being windshield wipers and pullers coming around it. So that against the heavy blitz scheme of Tampa is going to be interesting because they haven't really seen a ton of blitzes like Chicago hardly blitzed at all if they even did and Minnesota wasn't very much more I uh, Tampa's blitzing a little bit less by the way this year which is kind of an interesting development and in, uh, with that defense but like my feeling about this kind of matchup generally is it I mean this is a little bit of a cliche thing to say but it really just comes down to keeping this offense out of third and long you know because yeah. even with Elton Jenkins back coming back from injury. I don't think David Bakhtiari is going to play in this game. So that means you're going Yash Nijman at left tackle, Jenkins on tackle, correct? Yes. Um, okay, so obviously that's an improvement over week one to get Jenkins back in the lineup. But even so, like you just don't want Rodgers pressured anymore. And um, you don't want him particularly pressured by this team, which I think probably just the combination of the pass rush and coverage and how they work together is the best defense in the NFC. Um when they're in those situations. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, beyond even the tackles who I don't think had their best games last week, uh, center Josh Myers, who's been solid for green Bay. You know, he was a rookie last year, got hurt, banged up all that. Um, he, he had a pretty tough game. And another aspect to it too, is if probably no one owns uh Robert Tunyon in fantasy football this year, but I'm sure some of them drafted him last year. Um, those fantasy owners will remember when, 
Uh, the Packers have a backup left tackle, and what Tunyon ends up doing is a bunch of chip blocks to just kind of help out whoever's there on the blind side. So they're kind of devoting six guys to pass protection, and Rodgers is still getting hit fairly frequently, yes. uh, you know, this season. Like, there's been a couple of times he's laying down, and I'm like, he's hurt. He's got to yeah, be hurt. Yeah, and he just pops back up, and it's like, this cannot – He's he won't be able to last 17 games if he's getting hit like this. Like, no quarterback is. It looks like he's always just about to recreate that one shot where the helmet, where his chin straps up and his helmet's yep. <laughs> like, like at least five or six times a season. I've been like, oh, the, the, it's about to, he's like making that face on the ground. But yeah, um, it's, it, it really feels that way. I, like I said, I think we saw like a very creative and I think efficient Packers offense last week, but I do question with the past game still being somewhat limited. Um, how explosive they can be against good defenses. So I really think this defense, this particular game is going to tell us a lot about what, I mean, look, the rookie wide receivers, Dobbs and uh, Watson, you know, they're getting them involved. Watson, they're mostly getting involved on like sweeps and whatnot and pop passes or whatever. But And Dobbs is catching a lot of screens. For and him. Dobbs is like, catching screens. So he's filling that role that um, Devontae Adams used to do in this offense. But like, I, I they're going to get better as the season goes on. But Justice, I just do question, like, will this will this passing game ever be explosive this year? And I'm not quite sure we have an answer to that through week two. Yeah. I mean, Lazard, Lazard was coming off an injury, so there's not that much to uh, make out of, you know, kind of what his production is going to be like mo- moving forward. But people were talking about him as the number one wide receiver and all that stuff, and he's lost 10 pounds, you know, to to kind of – gain a little bit more speed so he can stretch the defense downfield. And we haven't really seen that yet. Sammy Watkins was really kind of his go-to guy last week. But I think those two are pretty clearly his number one targets. And then, you know, come third downtime, it's Randall Cobb, right? (laughs) Um, How good do you think this Bucks defense is? I think it's really good. I'm scared of multiple players on every single level of this defense. Mm -hmm. It's frightened me for three years. Uh, that's all I got on it. I mean, those guys scare the crap out of me. Bulls has those guys playing with their hair on fire. It's insane to watch a defense that's so fundamental and so fast at the same time. What really jumps out to me this year about them, or again, it's week three, (laughs) um, is how good the secondary looks. I mean, because they've been good at times over the last two years, but they've also been really injured. And I think, um, I don't know, some of the the DBs that have been kind of up and down, but right now, and this was, I, I, this is what really jumped out to me watching the saints and how they played. I mean, granted a James Winston who was perfectly content throwing them the ball, but they almost reminded me of how the saints defense played Brady in terms of like the physicality and the coverage abilities and the fearlessness of basically every member of that secondary. Joel Dean is playing like an absolute superstar right now. And the notion that that you know like i think last year was like okay carlton davis is their number one then he gets hurt well now that they have like two really really good corners i think they're one of the few defenses that can match up with like the, the turbocharged passing attacks like the chiefs chargers and bills around the nfl um but you know i, I actually like i said i actually think this weirdo packers offense might give them some unique challenges um up front so while i I'm incredibly high on the Bucks defense. I really want to see, we talk about wanting to see what the Packers offense, I really want to see what they look like against what last week looked to be one of the better 
rushing attacks in the NFL. A hundred percent. I think this, this game is make or break when the Packers have the ball and it's going to be in the box in the run game. I think that's what decides the game, right? Um, Aaron Jones is you know, obviously averaging close to 10 yards per carry at this point, which seems unsustain- uh, unsustainable. Um, the pin and pull stuff too, especially even against this, uh, the Bucks defensive personnel, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot of like TFLs or it's going to be a lot of plays that get sprung on the edge and cool. go for big gains. Like it, it's going to be a lot of boomer bust, which to your point, right. You're saying like the Packers need to stay at a third and long, like could be a tough matchup to try to keep that, uh, mm-hmm. keep that a priority, you know? I hate to say like one player swings it, but if Mike Evans was playing, I actually think I'd pick the Bucks. And the fact that he's not makes me pick the Packers. If if Brady has none of his guys no one, out no there, one. that's crazy. No one. That's I crazy. mean, this is what's happened to the Bucks in terms of like the injuries, like clustering, right? Yes. Is just such a. It's so hard to overcome, even with a really good defense. So I, I mean, maybe the defense will score some touchdowns again, but. I just think Rodgers will, you know, do a better job, obviously do a better job taking care of the football than James Winston. Um, and, you know, this feels like an, this feels like an ugly game. And I, and I think I'm, the Packers win ugly games for me. Ah, I love to hear that. I, I'm glad you want to believe also, because I want to believe I'm, I still like deep down in my heart. am like, you fear him. It's Brady. It's Brady. And I've done this before. So I just can't pull the trigger, but I want to believe. All right. You don't have to pick. It's okay. It's close to your heart. I understand. Um, Speaking of ugly, let's transition to talking about Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos uh, who are playing San Francisco. So it took me a while to actually watch this game in its entirety. And I'm going to start out with a take. I don't, Russell Wilson wasn't as bad as people said. (laughs) Like, I feel like Twitter was just roasting. They're roasting Hackett correctly uh which we'll talk about but russell wilson like he there were a lot of drops and you know they were just so awful in the red zone again uh and i I will say probably russell wilson bears some responsibility for that because he audible to at least one of those fades it sounds like the back-to-back fades on the first or second drive i think um but he's there are a lot of things not going his way right now a hundred percent yeah and i think this is do you, I mean, even when Rodgers joined the new system in 2018 and, you know, or 2019, and he was more veteran than Russell Wilson is at this stage in his career, right? I mean, there's still a learning curve there. And I think, I think a lot is on Wilson's plate right now compared to the past, right? When you hear Hackett say, you know, I'm basically giving him suggestions on what place to call. And it's taken, you know, the Broncos a lot of time to get out of the huddle. Um, I think those are things that if they commit to it, right, it's going to be better down the line or it could just be like, you know, we're pulling the ripcord now and like that power is going to go back to Hackett and we're just going to have Russell Wilson play ball. Right. So I think either way, it's going to look better for, for Russell Wilson in terms of like the stat lines and stuff moving forward. And I agree to your point that. Russell Wilson wasn't as bad this past week yeah. as uh, some people make it sound. It's just people are ready to jump on Russ, you know. He's really, yeah, I know. It's kind of. I was. In, it's been interesting watching. Like, it feels like the entire NFL world has turned on him at once, and it doesn't help when his teammates are, are openly tweeting stuff at our former yeah, teammates. I mean, God, but and it, well, and it's certainly not helpful that he appears to be coached by 
I don't know. Michael Scott is who said that? <laughs> I'm stealing that from. So I think Nate. Oh, I, don't, I I keep saying he's like Will Ferrell. He's like a Will Ferrell kind of okay, character. Okay, so just for those who didn't watch the game or read about it, just a a quick rundown of all the insane things that happened. First of all, again, double digit penalties, a ton of false starts. Um, so there's that, which is you know I think the kind of thing where you ultimately do kind of put that on the coaches. Um, some real killers, some real drive killing penalties, by the way, as well. So the offensive line is not playing that great. Uh, so then, the, but the, the the biggest thing, of course, was um, in the third. For, well, I mentioned the red zone play calling, the weird number of passes they're calling when they are an extremely efficient running team, um, and not not good passes, not high percentage passes at times. There was that point in the third quarter where they ran the option with the tight end whose name I haven't heard of or escapes me at the moment. So then they 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 don't get it. It's on third down. Uh, they send out the kicker, but it's a delay of game. So he gets pushed back and it ends up being a punt. They burn multiple timeouts because they can't get plays in time. No, one was because they didn't get the punt returner in time. Like this, it's just, the whole thing is just a tire fire right now. Um, and it's really distracting. Like it's, it makes it hard for me in some ways to evaluate like how, what the offense is, but setting that as trying to set those things aside and assuming they won't be as worse. Um, the offense kind of looks like what I expected, Justice. Like, it, it, Russell Wilson kind of looks like he has over the last few years. Um, there are times where I feel like he's trying to force the ball downfield. Uh, the short and intermediate stuff is kind of up and down. Um, he makes, he's, you know, made some really, really impressive throws. That's a lot of play action. Um, yeah, I, he, the other thing that really jumps out, though, that is a little bit, like, he doesn't, he he can move, but he can't escape anymore, is how I would characterize it. Oh, you think he's lost a step? A hundred percent. But that's I not think, new. I think that kind of started last year. No, yeah, no, I was yeah, gonna was, say. yeah, no, no. It, but it's the escapability. It's like he's going to take sacks at a very high rate. And he's and he's going to do it in a way the, the, now he's going to this game against a Niners defense that looks like exactly who we thought they were. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see because the Niners do – and have done, you know, a really good job of protecting the sidelines, right? And we know, you know, all the memes of Russell Wilson doesn't want to throw down the middle and stuff like that. But um, it'll be interesting to see, like, what they force him out, you know, out of the pocket to do, um, especially with, you know, a Bosa is, is running you down. Like, what's that going to end up looking like? Hufanga, by the way, the safety for, for the Niners is having maybe one of the breakout years in the yeah. NFL so far. I mean, I know it's only week two, but I was watching Niners Packers in the preseason and he was doing really well then. So, Yeah, shout out to Derek Klassen who came on this podcast in the preseason and was like, Talano Ufanga, man. And I was like, okay, man, if you say so. He's been um, playing nuts. He's just a hammer. Yeah, he's a hammer. He's the, And they're using him in fun ways and he's fast and he's physical. And he's one thing concern I had about him was maybe that he would um, pick up like penalties, like you know, mm-hmm. like, not playing within himself, but he's actually avoided that and all the, the hits have been clean and I think he's done a really good job. And of course, safety was like really the biggest question I had about this it was the main question because we knew this front was going to be extremely good. Um, and we knew, you know, they brought Traveris Ward in, which would help and it has, but safety was a huge question mark for them um after you know tart walking in the ward injury and it's looked good so far i i they've also like i think the one thing i would say about san francisco maybe that 
would give me some hope for Denver is, you know, I, I'm talking about that they look like world beaters and obviously it's a lot of the same players, but they have played Chicago and Seattle. So yeah. um, they have not been tested at all. And I do think this Denver offense has the capability of being significantly better than both of those teams. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what they think Jimmy Garoppolo can do with this iteration of this offensive line because yes. it felt like Jimmy was still running the Trey Lance plays. Um, they had that like quarterback draw. Zone, yeah. yeah, they had the like, quarterback run at the goal line. And it's like that was definitely game plan for Trey Lance. Right, incredible. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they look Dude, like for the remainder of the season. He also like threw it deep and outside back to back. I was like, whoa, whoa. And the first pick, the first throw was really good. And I should have caught it. And the second one was terrible and should have been intercepted. But I don't think we're going to see any of that. I think it's going to go just it, it. We are going to see. We'll see if George Kittle's playing, by the way. But this Niners offense with Jimmy Garoppolo is going to look the same as it ever was. Um, I do think, though, that the offensive line, which looks a little bit better. Yes. The interior worries me. Yes, because this is probably, am I wrong in saying this is probably the worst offensive line that Jimmy's played with in San Francisco? No, I I think it clearly is. And that's why I kind of worry about them offensively, because you can do the Jimmy Garoppolo stay on the script stuff when, you know, you have a borderline Hall of Fame center, right? But now that they have these guys on the interior and there's really no way to help them um, with the way that their bookings are shaken out, it's like, are you going to be able to get a normal run game that doesn't involve, you know, Debo lining up in the backfield consistently? Because he's the only guy who's really producing for them out of the backfield at this point. I think Debo is going to make a lot of money now based on what we've seen through the first two weeks. You know, he has like that bonus system where every time Mm -hmm. he carries the ball, he gets like, I don't know. $100,000 or something, that's not so wrong. But um, I think he's going to carry the football a lot. I also think that this Niners interior offensive line is going to have their hands full with um, uh, a Denver pass rush that looks pretty good and I would say um, noticeably better to me on the interior. Yeah, I I think things line up pretty well for Denver in this game as long as, you know, Russ isn't chucking up balls to the guys playing the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the defense is the Niners defense is good and stuff, but I think again, kind of like in the Green Bay Tampa game, like I think this game gets made by Denver's interior defensive line and San Francisco's interior offensive line. And I think Denver just has such a big edge there that I don't know if you're gonna be able to game plan around Jimmy enough. The one thing I think gives me a little bit of pause there the Denver defense looks a lot better in week two, by the way, you know, than they, um, but granted against Houston, the interior linebacker and inside linebacker yeah. is not great. And if there's one thing Kyle Shanahan loves doing, it's making off ball linebackers lives hell. Um, I think, I believe Josie Jewell is still out. If he's not, it's kind of a day to day thing. Uh, and I think I could see assuming Jimmy has enough time I could see them taking advantage of that in a big way. But, you know, I, this, I, 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 I have so much trouble, like, kind of wrapping my arms around the Stanford team because of all the shenanigans um, and, like, the coaching. Like, it's hard for me to almost evaluate the players and the offensive defense at times. Um, and I, and, but, like, I, I don't think they're bad. I, I don't know. It's just... It feels like like everything that could go wrong for them possibly has gone wrong. A hundred percent. I mean, they ended a game in week one by attempting the longest outdoor field goal in NFL history. And then they were like, no, that was a good idea. And then Monday they came back in and were like, oh, that was a mistake. We'd probably want to have that one back. So 
Yeah, I mean, it went from, you know, Hackett went from a guy who is a non-play calling offensive coordinator to running the entire show. And sometimes, you know, that takes a little bit of time. Uh, LaFleur said in his press conference today, he kind of went out, went at the uh, national media and was like, just give Hackett time. He's super, you know, he's uh, super well-designed and all that stuff. He's really prepared. He's going to get it figured out. Like, stop, stop hunting this guy. This is the advantage of all these coaching trees is you have other coaches to defend you if no one else will. I never thought about that. <laughs> Nepotism. It's great. It has advantages. Um, hmm. I mean, it's not the national media that's clowning you. It's literally your own fan base <laughs> counting down in the stadium. I don't know. What to say. Yeah. What do you think? So the, there was the counting down and then Russ wants to hear runner pass. Like it's a high school football team. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I think um, so. There were a couple. There were a few injuries though last week. Uh, Sertan and Jerry Judy both went out. I think both are day to day. I think both will probably play in this one. But if either of them doesn't play, that's a massive problem. Because I think what you saw yeah. for, first of all in this game, I think they they really need Sertan on Ayuk. And then uh, offensively, what you saw was when Judy went out, they are really thin. I mean, Cortland Sutton's clearly the only wide receiver that. Russell Wilson trusted at that point, and he was correct <laughs> to only trust him. I think um, they do have a I, him and Cortland Sutton do have a really nice, predictably good connection. Like Russ will definitely throw it up for him and trust Sutton to come down with it, kind of the same way that he used to trust DK Metcalf, who's a you know relatively similar player. Um, but you know, if it's just Sutton out there, uh, I really think that the Niners won't have any problem shutting down this offense but i think jerry judy should play so just yeah jerry judy is kind of the key in getting them out of just like playing cover one or something yes. you know like they have to have some sort of team speed even beyond the drops and issues and you know kind of that area that they had like the fact that judy can run a 4-4 or whatever he runs is a pretty big deal yeah they should it's a good running team too man like i i know that i feel like everybody hates melvin gordon or people are always screaming for Javante Williams to get the ball more, but they're actually both, They, to my eye, they both look good running the ball. Mm -hmm. I think this offensive line is better at run blocking than pass pro, although Russell Wilson makes them work look worse at pass pro at times. But it they, they should, this offense should be like those Seahawks offenses that were efficient running the ball and getting friendly looks for Russ and the deep game. That Like that's, I think, the vision you want because it's not going to be the Green Bay offense all summer long. You just got to like throw that notion out the window. That's not what Russell Wilson is going to do, you know. So I, I but they, I think they're capable of doing that. I do think this is a very challenging matchup, though. Um, I don't know. I kind of lean San Francisco in this one just because of the defense. I lean Denver again just because of that interior offensive line. But yeah, it'll be a good game to watch. I mean, it'll be something I'm definitely putting on the TV on Sunday. All right. Let's, you know, I'm going to wait and do Bill's Dolphins. Let's have that as the final, the dessert, the fireworks show. <laughs> um, and let's talk about Jags Chargers before we take a break. So I just finished watching the Jags. I was tweeting about Josh Allen. Um, let's start on that side of the ball. Okay, the Chargers offense. So the, the, the major caveat we have to all of this is we don't know what Justin Herbert's going to look like with the fractured rib cartilage, um, which sounds... Incredible. Painful. painful. Yes. Painful. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the thing. Like, I'm like, should he play? So the last drive on uh, on on the game against the Chiefs, I was joking that like 
his ribs must have sounded like uh, oh someone's God. first car, you know, <laughs> just rattling around just, like painful. And, I mean, he like, winced on that one. I know where he just pulled oh back entirely. I'm like, and then it's gracious. He obviously ripped off that insane throw right after, but just because he can doesn't mean he should. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, he they'll be the judge of whether or not he can play. But the one thing that I would say does concern me a little is um, I think this Jags front is good. Like, I yeah. know that they just played a Colts offensive line that is bad, frankly. Um, but through the first two weeks of the season, I was speaking about Josh Allen, but I think, like, he truly has been unlocked, unlocked by the presence of, like, other good defensive line, like, other good plays on the defensive line. Walker, Trevon Walker, who they drafted first overall. Um, they bring in Padukasi. You've still got, you got Robertson Harris there. Uh, and then Arden Key was added to play on the inside. And Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator, is doing a really good job of finding ways to get Josh Allen matchups. And he is, he like, I think right now he's playing like someone who has the capacity to take over games. 100%. I thought he took over the Colts game at times, totally. at the very least. But Tray Trayvon's come along. You know, there was a lot of questions about his transition from playing basically like a four eye in Georgia's defense to like actually playing the edge for Jacksonville. I think he's making a lot of progress there um, in a very short amount of time. That's why you draft that guy. Number one, I definitely came away with the same thing where I'm just like, these edges are going to be a problem for teams. And with the way the chargers right side of the offensive line has looked like yes. not just for this year, but for years, like we know who these guys are. We know that they're not very good. Um, I think that's going to be a huge matchup in this game. Yeah, you know, the, there was a lot of um, consternation over Justin Herbert's low average depth of target, but really, and I think the stat went around, it dropped precipitously when Corey Lindsley went out, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they also lost Trey Pipkins in that game. Storm Norton came in. He, he was fine, but clearly they don't trust their backup offensive linemen. And, you know, even with Pipkins, I do think, like, that there's still – I the the – Jaguars and Mike Caldwell, they're going to find ways to attack that weakness. And if you are creating a situation where Justin Herbert is, you know, just stinking and dunking his way up the field, that's a win for Jacksonville. Yes, 100%. And, and we know that they'll do that. Like, we know that uh, Joe Lombardi is happy to go to that. Oh, 100%. There's nothing that he would like to run more than, like, stick or, like, double slants. They're also, not, they're also not good running the ball this year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so through the first two weeks of the season, they're like at the bottom of the NFL in most rushing metrics. Um, I mean, I, Austin Eckler looks fine to me. I don't know if I'm like trying to figure out kind of where to pin that on. Um, I don't, I, it's possible that there's a little bit of, I don't know, tread on his tires from, you know, he, he ran the ball so much last year, but it, it kind of goes to kind of what we were saying, which is if you're the Jags and you can get just get the Chargers offense to run the ball and not throw deep, um, I think that's like a, you have a pretty solid chance of staying in this one. Yeah. And I think this is a Jags staff that is like pretty comfortable, you know, just based off of the two games that I saw. Is pretty comfortable just like rolling out a game plan and sticking to it, right? Like mm. even on the offensive side, like Gus Bradley was like, Yeah, we're gonna play a bunch of cover three. And you know, Peterson was like, Cool. That's I scheme my entire yes. offense to beat cover three. So I'm just gonna let Trevor Lawrence just tear you a new one. And 
if they get the inverse of that, you know, on the defensive side where, you know, hey, we're cool with Justin Herbert just taking checkdowns because he's banged up and, you know, the right side of the line isn't very good. Like, just roll with it, right? And then see if you can outscore him. I don't think there's two quarterbacks who had more disparate experiences last week than Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan watching no. that game. Matt Ryan was, look, he was not good, but he was in a torture chamber. He was in absolute yeah. hell. Whereas, Josh Allen had the game of his life last week. Yes. <laughs> Whereas Trevor Lawrence was chilling. First yeah. of all, the Colts pass rush is not good. That was, I was at all. That was my biggest takeaway. Like, I'm like, oh my Gus, god, Gus thinks he has better pass rushes. Right? Than he does, it's like you and can't sit back with this front. Year. Yes, with this front four. Oh my god, I which yeah. is, man, I don't know. They were better players last year, so I'm a little bit confused by that. But we're not talking about the Colts right now. Um, you're absolutely right. Like Doug Peterson did a phenomenal job of just like making life so easy for Trevor Lawrence in this game. And Trevor, to his credit, he has not always been good on taking the layups or being accurate on the short and intermediate stuff. And he was exceptionally good against the Colts. He like stuck to the game plan perfectly, went above and beyond a couple times. Um, he looked great. That said, this Chargers defense is not the Colts defense. No. Uh, they, to me, look very good. Yeah, I mean, they're not just going to sit back there and play spot drop cover three and stuff, right? They're going to throw everything at him, and he's still a young quarterback. That's why I kind of think, like, you just accept what you, you know, you can get out of, you know, a, a Herbert-led offense on the other side, and you just try to outscore him. And how that comes, I'm not totally sure, right? Um, I still think that Chargers, when, when they put a bunch of defensive linemen on the field, I still don't think they're great on the interior. They're certainly not as good or not as bad as they were last year. But like, even at the linebacker level, like Kenneth Murray, is he going to take a step eventually? Or is he just kind of yeah, this guy? That's really the only weakness. The thing that's, well, there's a bunch of things that have, I think, matchups play into this, but Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack have been not only amazing rushing the passer, I think they've both been amazing in run defense this mm -hmm. year. Um, and then up front, you got Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Jackson have also been really good. So like they haven't really, like they've really made life a lot easier for the linebackers. But I agree, like that's certainly the weakness in this defense because um, the secondary is also, like I, I questioned whether Asante Samuel Jr. would be, you know, kind of live up to his, I don't know, the hype around him coming into the draft this season. And he absolutely has. I mean, he's been <laughs> amazing. Um, the whole secondary has been phenomenal. Derwin James is like reaching his final form in this defense. I don't know. I didn't, we did, I did this ranking with De Deontay. I was like, I don't know if they're top 10. I got to see how it comes together. They are, to me, they look like one of the five best defenses in the NFL. And I, beyond the linebacker issue, I'm not quite sure. How I, I feel like we're going to see a ton of screens, a ton of like quick passes to ETN. Um, I, one thing I would like to see is like the continued usage of Christian Kirk all over the place because I think that works really well. He, I mean, he's basically in motion the entire game and they've got him in the backfield, they've got him in the slot, they've got him outside. So maybe they can get some mismatches that way with linebackers, you, the linebackers you talked about. But I don't know how they can be explosive against them. That's the tough one. I mean, you mentioned it already, but ETN, right? I mean, just getting those back, those running backs out on the edges, I think it's probably their best chance at it. Cause I mean, you could pay Christian Kirk all that money, but that doesn't mean that he's a take the top off the, t the defense type of wide receiver, right? He's, he's a nice guy to have on your team. I'm sure every NFL team would want to roster him, but he's not 
that number one wide receiver type of guy. So it's going to be a weird one because I could see this just being a complete slugfest, right? I mean, Doug Peterson just like trying to inch out like every yard of defense that he possibly or every yard of offense that he possibly can out of the Chargers. And then the Chargers just not being on pace offensively because of the Herbert's injury. Like Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. If you could tell me like Herbert's going to be healthy, I mean, I take the Chargers by a touchdown, right? But if Herbert is looking like he did at the end of the game against Kansas City, like, I, I don't know. I like Jacksonville's chances because that that looked like a quarterback who is one hit away from just completely being out of the game. And then what's Chase Daniels in there? Who knows? I wonder if just – I haven't really talked about this. If Staley might be more aggressive on fourth downs in this one, knowing that yards will be a little bit harder to come by with wounded Justin Herbert. So do you think he reacts that way? Because that was one takeaway I had from the first two weeks of the season where I'm like, maybe he was only being that aggressive on fourth down because he didn't trust his defense last year. And now that yeah. he has a defense, maybe oh, so he's like reacting. More, I think, well, given that he's a defensive coach, I 100% think it's about his defense. Like it's, which is interesting because yeah, you always, whenever like coaches are tilt one way or the other on fourth down, you kind of wonder, it's always like a weird, like psychological speculation, right? Like what mm-hmm. is going into this? Like, why are you being more aggressive? Than usual, um, and it, the the puzzling thing about Kansas City, it's like on one hand, it's like okay, your defense is amazing, but on the other hand, it's Kansas City, and it's not just about yeah. the next. It's not just about how they respond in the next series. It's about sweeping the leg when you have the opportunity. You're talking about the being down or what they were like down a touchdown to Mahomes with like eight minutes left. Is that the one? That was the one that stuck out to me in terms of the fourth. Oh, I meant decisions. in the first half. Oh, you're talking go really? for it. Yeah, they had two in the first half that were like they were in uh, I think their opponent's territory around midfield and they were up and they were killing yeah. it. But it's like it's Kansas City, you don't Yeah, that's one where just hit the gas every single time. Try and to so it, get Mahomes into a hole. I do wonder. I, I'll be very curious to see like his defense probably should be able to handle the Jacks the Jaguars. So I do wonder if that makes him like conservative again. I don't know. It's been it's been some weird one. Um, our new king is Mike McDaniel, so it's fine. Our new king, I don't, I don't speak, I don't speak for uh, whoever R is. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I do love. Well, we're gonna talk about the Dolphins actually. I do love how aggressive he is, though. It is enjoyable to me. Uh. And not 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 in a like you're an idiot if you're not this way kind of way, which is not my tenor when it comes to tenor tone tone not to tone police, but my feeling about fourth downs is like I just love it when a coach is aggressive because of what it says about his mentality more than anything. That's all. I think it's just more fun. That too. I just think it's more fun in general, like big momentum swings, right? That sucks. No one a lot. To watch a punt. Yeah, that's a lot cooler than punts. I'm anti-punt. All right, we will talk about the Dolphins in a second. Let's take a quick break, though, and talk about another game first. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. 
Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. I actually think Vikings Lions has a lot of juice right now. Uh, I like it. I I like it a lot. Uh, and I have gone back and forth on this one a little bit. I can't, which is crazy. But um, I, I I'm not trying to over look. I'm probably never going to pick another Vikings primetime game again because it's just <laughs> total bullshit. But like, okay. The Lions defense, like Lions, the Vikings offense should be able to move the ball well on the Vikings, Lions defense. Probably, ugh, just going to start off by saying that. Um, I don't think the version of when the sun is out, I just don't think we're going to see Kirk Cousins play as poorly. Uh, and while I really like some of the things this Lions defense is doing, I still don't think, I think that their offense is a lot better than their defense right now. Um, and I don't think, I just don't think they have the guys to stop Justin Jefferson. That's probably true. Um, I think Okuda is making a nice little yeah. bounce back after this past year, totally. you know, missing. But yeah, I mean, is, expecting him to be the difference in shutting down Justin Jefferson completely is, you know, probably a little off base. I think the Vikings offense is somewhere in between, you know, week one and week two. Week one, again, we talked about this with the Packers stuff, but I think it was just two major coverage busts that helped yes. get Justin Jefferson a ton of yards. Like those plays maybe don't happen if if they play again, right? Um, but then this past week, I mean, getting Kirk down in a hole, prime time, like just every nightmare for the guy. So yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting. I think <sighs> offensively, what's tough for me for for I'm looking at it offensively from Detroit's perspective, right? We just saw Minnesota's defense get eaten up by one of the best offensive lines in football in Philadelphia. And if there's any offensive line that's better in the NFC, it would be Detroit. So that's that's where I see kind of like so, one of the big mismatches okay. compared to week one where, you know, yeah. Darius was going crazy. 
let's talk about that then because i i just put out a dominique and i talked about this a little i was really confused by ed donatel's game plan against jalen hurts for a number mm -hmm. of reasons um just playing those soft zones after it had become clear that hurts was had the ability to you know work underneath against them and and find his receivers and then you know the light boxes again it's like a Bangio thing but you're playing the eagles doesn't make sense and then we know with Jalen Hurts, you want to blitz him. You like, I don't know. I mean, this is something that I think the Vikings are capable of, but they just didn't do that. And now you're playing a Detroit team where I actually think it's it's not too dissimilar. You want to be aggressive. Um, you definitely don't want to sit back and let them kill you on the ground also. No. So I, I, I'm very curious to see if Ed Donatel changes it up from what I thought was like a pretty disastrous performance on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I agree. I felt like, you know, in terms of the pass rush, like Minnesota was going out there with four and obviously, you know, in zone, the big benefit is that, you know, you have eyes on the ball, theoretically, like mobile quarterback, you don't want to play a bunch of man because then your cornerbacks, you know, backs are to, yeah. are to him and he could scramble and run around. But even in clean pockets, it looked like Hertz was just like willing to run the ball and even though they were only sending four, like it was still messing with them on the back end. So that's kind of the problem that i saw there and maybe they just i mean certainly you know um jared goff isn't the same type of quarterback as jalen hurts right mm -hmm. that's a that's a big difference but um i think their game plan yeah was pretty poor i mean hurts had the game of his career too at the nfl level yeah i'll be curious to see i mean this viking so the lions rushing attack appears to be Awesome. The best in football. They can run everything. They're running They're wham, trap, long yes. trap, everything. And they did it all with like a backups on the interior offensive line. Justice. They're averaging 4.63 yards per contact. The Eagles are 3.41. That is insane yeah. through the first two weeks of the season. Um, it's, yeah, I think you can attribute it to a few things, but um, I do like, I wonder whether the Vikings will just simply have the ability to stop them on the ground and whether they even get to the, you know, get into situations where they can pressure Goff because of how dominant they are. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen. I mean, the, the Packers that we kind of talked about earlier, they didn't really like run the ball consistently mm -hmm. on Minnesota. So, uh, and when they did, they popped them, they popped yeah. them a couple of so, times on the edge, made the whole thing very puzzling to me. But, um, yeah, I think this is going to be like an, a serious issue for them. And on the other side, I, you know, we talked a little bit about it. Like I said, I think the lions will have a harder time with Jefferson. So the, the lions defense is interesting. Um, they're very aggressive. This is continues back to last season, obviously. Uh, but they do play a ton of man coverage. Third, most in the NFL. Can you guess who are one and two in man? Mm -hmm. Ooh, uh, the Giants. Good guess. And, uh, well, that was it then. I'm, so the, I'm done guessing. If well, I the number get the one Giants. team, and this is something we should, probably should have talked about when we talked about them, is the Chargers. Interesting. Uh, yeah. The Chargers defense is so much more aggressive this year than they were last year. And I think, you know, obviously because of the personnel that they have, it's very interesting to me. But And then number two is the Bengals, interestingly enough. Uh, hmm. And then they blitz at the fourth rise rate in the league. Um, and I think, you know, like I was – I. Like, I like the, well, okay, but the man coverage thing. So the Eagles obviously had a lot of success when they did play man against Minnesota. Darius Slay shut them down. But as much as I 
um, you know, I'm, I think Okuda's playing better, and I like, I, you know, the pass rush has shown me some stuff. They're not as good as the Eagles. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't think that they have the talent at all three levels to approximate what Philadelphia did against Minnesota. Um, and so I, I think the Vikings will just have a lot more success in this one. Yeah, agree. And I don't think Kirk, you know, is going to th- throw some of those up again. I mean, that was a pretty terrible performance by him uh, yeah. in general. So, like, thing, things average out eventually. I, I think the interesting thing is, like, so what does a Detroit win look like, right? So Detroit mm-hmm. win looks like pounding the ball, pounding obviously, the ball. right? Trying to avoid a lot of the play-action stuff because – Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter are coming after you. And then on the flip side, it's because you pound the ball, it's a short game, and Kirk makes a couple mistakes. He doesn't need to make mm. as many as he did against the Eagles, but he needs to make a couple. If you're hearing like a grunting noise, that's my dog who's in a bad mood sitting next Hi, to Lenny. Lenny. He's going, ah, ah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think like, Kirk, Kirk was horrible against the Blitz on my night football, and I think maybe to your point, like what's the formula for success? Detroit. Um, forcing him into some errors with, you know, they, they've, they've put out, they've done some pretty fun stuff up front, found ways to scheme up. Aaron Glenn has found ways to scheme up one, one-on-ones for his pass rushers. I don't think Aiden Hutchinson has been like lights out at all. I was going to say, I think Charles Harris has maybe even outplayed him. Yeah. But I do, I, you know, Hutchinson, he had the three sacks. They were all kind of like, not all of them, but like, it. I really don't want to like, the the pre-draft narrative is true he's an effort guy like he yeah. he makes plays and this isn't like it, it, the effort it, <laughs> can you hear him he's really like he's so upset he must be a big Aiden Hutchinson fan um you know they it happens when um the quarterback with last black was Carson Wentz if he is able to evade one pass rusher Aiden Hutchinson is usually able to clean it up he'll pursue from the backside they had him lined up at the three tech a little bit he made a great play there um so you know I I could see a universe in which against a Minnesota interior offensive line that is not good uh the the Lions are able to do some damage up front I just worry about the back end is all but uh yeah I I mm, who are you picking? <laughs> I'm going with Minnesota here. Yeah. But I want Detroit to pull the upset because I think they're a fun team. Like seeing a team that can just run the hell out of the ball with that offensive line. They're aggressive on defense. They have, you know, we got all the hard knocks, Dan Campbell stuff, right? We get maybe Jared Goff redemption. That'd be kind of fun a little bit. This feels high scoring. I see that's where I disagree because I think Detroit will do anything to make sure that it's not high scoring. Mm. I think well, if you're Detroit, you're like, I'm yeah, putting but, the vice on the clock right now, immediately. Yeah, but if Minnesota sells out to stop the run, like Jared Goff right now is averaging like more, more yards per play. Maybe I mean, he's got to be like top three or four in the NFL. They do have skill players who can do damage. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown, we didn't mention him at all. He's been going Freaking crazy. Debo North up there. I mean, new offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is doing a fantastic job of finding ways to use him. I don't know. I just think like because the run game is so good, they're really able to get the matchups they want elsewhere. I like these wide receivers. 
And I, you know, I question whether this Vikings pass rush is going to win against a, we'll see who's playing for the, by the way, that matters a great deal because um, on the interior with the backups, they had a lot of success in the run game, but struggled a bit in pass protection. So I, I could see them getting explosives against a Minnesota secondary that's been really inconsistent, but I also don't think that their defense is going to be able to stop the Minnesota offense. So, I'm going to take the lines. I'm going to take the other side of it. I don't Let's know. Let's go. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe it's a little bit of overreaction to primetime Kirk, but I just really like this Lions offense. I just Do you think the Lions could make the playoffs? Yes. That's awesome. Because, you know, coming into the year, it was look at teams like the Saints or Arizona you know, kind of rounding out the end of people's predictions in the playoffs. And I'm always looked at Detroit and was like, don't sleep on them, especially with, you know, Dallas maybe out of the picture now and who knows what's going on in the NFC West, right? Someone's going to have to make these spots. I mean, they're a better football team than Arizona. Arizona has a significant, sure. significantly better quarterback, but yeah, the the Lions are a better football team than a lot of teams. Yeah. They just I mean, don't have a they, were in, they were in those fights last year. I know they finished with the, you know, super high pick, right? But, I mean, they were in all those dogfights last year. They lost a bunch of close games. Another, by the way, aggression king, Dan Campbell. Um, I also love, I I, I just tend to, like, favor teams that are built different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Built different. Um, Just because I think that they, especially, like, with the way defenses are going now, or they've gone, just as you know, with the... um, the Fangio world, I think def- mm. offenses that can run the ball really well and consistently are going to give a lot of defenses a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. They're going to be like, you want to stay in too high the entire game? Okay, that's cute. I'm just going to pound the dude, rock. They better not in this one. Right? I mean, <laughs> dude, if they do, I don't know. It's not going to I will say the, the one thing that's surprised me the most about Minnesota, and I can't believe I didn't really touch on this, their secondary is not good at all. And the yeah. fact that they can't get either of their, the you know, rookies. first or second round picks on the field is kind of crazy to me. Booth Jr. has been hurt, right? Yeah. Or is he He's been de- out, but Scene is only playing special teams so far. Yeah. And Scene was out, I think, week one with a knee injury that he's been dealing with. But, okay. uh, you know, he played in week two. He apparently has not had a great camp, which kind of shocks me. I mean, he's he was so a freak him. athlete who's really instinctual. You know, the Cowboys leaked board that came out had him like as their highest rated draft pick when they went on the clock. They passed him up because they needed an offensive lineman. But like Scene was a guy who, you know, it it wasn't a is he ready to play football type of thing. It was like, what's his positional value? And the fact that he hasn't cracked the lineup kind of surprised me. You know, Dominique and I talked on Tuesday about how all the rookie wide receivers look pretty good. And... I would say like the rookie DBs, it's a lot, maybe, I mean, this might just be a reflection of the NFL right now. It's a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard out there. Okay. Well, I certainly wanna, wouldn't want to be a rookie DB in this game, although you're going to see one and that will be Christian Benford, <laughs> Bill's Dolphins. <sighs> this is hard to talk about right now because I don't know which Bills are playing. Um, so like uh, the Bills for all of their dominance on monday got absolutely massacred with injuries um and this is not the game on a short week that you want to be down you know several and we'll see we know obviously 
Tredavious White isn't playing, but you know the, some of the players who got hurt, Mitch Morse left the center. Uh, I think he'll play, but we'll see. I have to think Dane Jackson doesn't play. Um, uh, Matt Milano got, it was just a stinger, so I think he'll play. And then Micah Hyde was banged up, and Jordan Phillips were also banged up. But, the, but again, like I think t- the team was pretty conservative because obviously it was a blowout. So I hope they all play. But what, one thing we know is that they're going to be going into this with a pretty inexperienced cornerback group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is, 100%. like what is your fear level for this defense, which you know should be when healthy the best defense in the NFL or one of the best defenses, but is not healthy right now. I think, you know, if, if Hyde can play, I think that changes a little bit what they can do defensively. And then also the, the way that the way that Buffalo scores offensively, and they're just able to rip off points, I think is going to help them on the defensive side where they can be a little more conservative and can just, you know, have those cornerbacks just take up the sideline and not have to take a full man anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I also think, well, let's put a pin in that. I want to talk about the Bills offense versus the Dolphins defense. Um, I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on like what the best way is to play this Dolphins offense. Because really, they should have beat New England by a lot more, but Tua Tenkoveloa had a bad game. And I've really, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of... So there's two things I think on this offense. I mean, basically, if Tua is accurate as he was, you know, through in the second half against Baltimore, I don't know how you play them. I, it's if he's accurate and on time. I I I, I was trying like this combination of wide receivers to have so much speed on the field. It, Tua doesn't even need to throw it deep. Although, you know, I think if he is accurate underneath and they're able to get explosives that way, it'll, it opens up the deep passing game as it goes along. You saw that certainly on display. But I don't really know what the defensive game plan is for this style of offense. I mean, in theory, it would just be play man, right? And try to stop some of these slants. But these guys are so fast that if they can do, take those slants to the house. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, right. Like you're really gambling. That so way. I think what you probably want to do is try to play as tight coverage as you possibly can with some zone help over top in some way, like cover one or something like that. But the one thing that surprised me the most in that Miami Baltimore game, one, it still doesn't look like Tua has a ton of zip on his arm. Like that, that was kind of surprising that he was able to have that productive of a game without having a, high velocity throw and then Baltimore's defense looked really bad. I thought that was something that was going to get solved this year. Right. I mean, we all make the assumption of end of the year, Baltimore. We remember them giving up all those yards to Joe Burrow at the end of the season, kind of kickstarted the Joe Burrow hype train that led through uh, the playoffs. But um, I mean, there were plays where like, I thought Marcus Peters could have come down with an interception that ended up being a touchdown. Right. And then to it through that, that first interception, was just because of an arm strength issue. Yep. I mean, the guy was open and, you know, the the window got closed because of the speed of the ball. So I think you just put it into his hands and you're like, look, we got to get Waddle and Tyreek on the ground in some way. Like, we can't just have guys in one-on-one coverage, even if that ends up being like we called quarters and it turns into man at a certain depth, right? Like, you just can't let those guys run away because they'll do it. 
Yeah. I th- this was a concern I had about Baltimore, by the way, coming into the season, because it, on paper, it's like, oh, everybody's back, they're healthy, but it's like, oh, you got a bunch of corners coming off of injury, you've got rookies back there, um, you know, the potential for, like, a slower start, I think, was higher than we thought. I also think, and I alluded to this earlier in the week, the pass rush is just not good, and yeah. that's really where the contrast with Buffalo is, because for, for all the inexperience that they have on the back end, this looks like the best pass rush, or one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, um, and you know, the Miami, like two is getting the ball out really quick, which mitigates this to some degree, but the Miami offensive line hasn't really been tested. And I think, you know, we can talk about the coverage and I think what the, what they need to do on the back end to try to at least disrupt things for Waddle and Hill, but a victory for Miami or probably for, um, the bills on defense really starts up front and it starts with them just dominating the Miami offensive line, which I think is totally plausible. A hundred percent. I mean, I think most people came into the season thinking, you know, Miami's offensive line was going to be a pretty major issue for them, right? Compared to, you know, some of the other teams that run this type of scheme and stuff. Um, It'll be interesting to see, though, if the pass rush can even get home with how quick some of these throws are. I mean, when you're looking at, like, there was one play that, Tua, and obviously because he's a left-handed quarterback, like he can do some of these things that other guys can't. I mean, they're in the I formation, and he's taking a drop like he's going to end up pitching it to, uh, I think it was Mostert on the, or can't remember who it was in the backfield. And then he's just throwing a slant behind it, almost like no look throwing, basically just saying like, yeah, based off a pre-snap leverage, I'm going to throw this slant, but first I'm going to fake a toss. Like, what the heck is going on there, right? Like, I, I don't know how you're supposed to get home as a pass rusher in that situation. I almost want to go back and watch the Patriots game. I mean, my gut tells me it was it was just really just Tua, but I do want to see. I mean, I, the you know the that was the game too. By the way, was it a halftime where they had where um was it Waddle or Hill who housed the slant? It was Waddle at halftime. Mm-hmm. I, but I do want to see otherwise, like what they did in coverage against this team just because Bill Belichick is so good at game planning. Um, and I don't think I like paid enough attention to how the Patriots, who are obviously you know, also very limited at cornerback, but have good safeties, what they did against Miami. Um, because I have to think, and, you know, they obviously had more success limiting them than Baltimore did. Although again, some of that Baltimore stuff was, some of it was schematic though. Like they, they were, I thought they played with way too much disguise right like um mm-hmm. uh i think one of the i don't know if it was the coverage bus yeah the was it one of the many bus was they were like they showed zero and they were like trying to spin really quickly into two and it's like you really just shouldn't do that against this team yeah um, it's just not they hit, a really they hit too quick to have those type of disguises yeah, right and so i yes i i, I think you know, and I also think that the the Bills have the linebackers to play, you know, to kind of – who are both very good in coverage, which should help them over the middle of the field. I, I don't – I don't really know. I, like, do you feel like this Bills defense is – well, no, that's not true. I was going to say, are they best equipped to stop the Bucks? Maybe when they're healthy, but I would say – the Bucks. pardon me, a little slip there. I would say the Bucks defense is the one I'd really love to see against this Miami team because I think that they have yeah. the guys, the bodies back there to handle them. I'm just not sure the Bills do right now. So I think it really is going to come down to is like, is 
to uh, perfect again, in, in as he was in that in that quarter. Can they win up front, <laughs> given how quick the release is? Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. I really don't know. I, I don't think he can string together another game like that. I really don't. Just based off of his arm strength. I understand, you know, the ball was accurate. He's throwing it out on time, all that stuff. But, like, he's not holding on to the ball at all. Do you know Tua, like, doesn't have a scramble this year? That's how, really? yeah, that's how little pressure wow. that he's had to face because he gets it out of the ball. He gets well, it out of his hand so fast. I, just, I thought uh, maybe it was one of the touchdowns where he kind of, like, stepped up, evaded pressure, and made that, I was like, to Gesicki or something. I was I was a little bit more impressed with his playmaking than I've been in the last game. I mean, granted, like I said, yeah, he was not pressured for a lot of it, but I thought even when he was, he showed a little bit more ability to create than he has shown thus far. But again, the Bills' pass rush is a different animal. Different, different, different beast, a yeah. little bit. So we'll see. Um, so on the other side... Uh, I I think Gabe Davis is probably going to play. I, I know because he was pushing on Monday, but it is a short week. Uh, it was a ankle injury or foot or something. Ankle. Well, it was like an ankle sprain. So obviously that makes a huge difference in this one. Um, I So let's just start there. Like, do you think if Davis plays, the Dolphins defense has any shot of stopping Buffalo? I really don't think so. And Miami is another team that's like, hyper aggressive on the defensive yes. side i thought yeah. that's how i felt which is interesting oh, right because yeah. they just got rid of flores you would think that you know they're going to play a little bit more vanilla nope it's still as aggressive as ever um buffalo's hitting a ton of these like actual like alabama rpos like the stuff where it's you know the guy opposite of the running back is running an out route and then the guys to the running back are running another you know rpo and then there's a running back give that you could give them like the three options they're doing a lot more of that this year, which I'm kind of surprised now that like Dayball left and now you're running more Bama stuff. Um, I think that's going to help them out a whole ton against, you know, a team that wants to be this aggressive. Cause if you're getting all these weird looks in the box and it's still just like that corner is just playing off, they're just going to throw it. They're just going to throw an out to Stefan Diggs. Yeah. They, he is so complete right now. I mean, I, I don't know if he's always been. I, does it look to you like he is more dominant in different, like more parts of his game are unlocked this year versus previous ones? Or I don't know. Maybe it was just like his Gabe Davis was out and I was like, oh my God, there he is catching screens, catching RPOs, deep threat, intermediate, in the red zone, like scramble drill. It feels like he can do everything for them right now. It seems like he's like hyper aware of situation now which is, mm -hmm. I think is like the big difference, right? Where you could still see him do the weird stuff where on fourth down, he'll try to like pitch it to like try to survive, to try to like make a play stay alive, right? But he's totally comfortable just being like a, a point guard on early down sometimes, which is, if he can do that, like the world yeah. is his, man. Like the game decides like if, if you have a bad game or not is how your team is going to win or lose. At and also point. like like going after the same about the RPO, like they don't, we... They don't have to run the ball if they don't, you know, like I think yeah. that was the kind of a, last year, this was sort of like a narrative Buffalo was like, okay, well, if teams play them, if they sit back in those shell looks, can they run them out of it? But like the way they look right now and certainly how they looked against Tennessee where they just didn't run the ball, um, their quick stuff is so efficient at the moment. And some of that, of course, is of Josh Allen being accurate and 
decisive um, when he gets rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds or less. Um, he hasn't really faced... It's interesting. Well, I, that's not true. I, against the Rams at times in the first half, he faced a significant amount, of, a fair amount of pressure. But I will be curious to see, okay, if Miami... Like, so the biggest mismatch that Miami potentially has in this game is against the Bills' offensive line. So if they are able to break free, you know, will Josh Allen, who has not really been, who certainly wasn't pressured last week, might we see a little bit more off-target throws? He actually did have some a few weird ones in the first half. I don't know if you noticed that before things just kind of went out of control. Um, and some of that was, you know, like Jeffrey Simmons breaking through a little bit. But if Miami, if they're able to actually cause problems for the Bills up front, could we see a little bit of the old Josh Allen? I think, but even then, I don't know if Miami wants him off script. Like they just came off of a game where they just gave up a bunch of points to Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. Defensively. So I don't know. It wasn't like Lamar had like a terrible game or anything like that either. Um, so yeah, I can right. see it. I can see them, you know, getting to Josh Allen and then Josh Allen making plays. Like that's just kind of what he's doing right now. Yeah. I think like, the what the Rams showed in the first half of that game, remember they went into halftime tied. It's mm-hmm. kind of just like what you would hope for, which is really forcing Allen to be perfect and then hoping someone makes a mistake, like really yeah. just limiting the deep stuff. Um, but the Dolphins are such a different defense. I don't know if that's the tactic that they'll take in this one. Um, you sound really like you think the Bills are, are going to win this one with ease. I really like the bills right now i think they're the best team Bold. in football Bold and, yeah i saw i saw a stat that said or I, I don't even know if it's a stat um sports books have the bills at this point in the season right week three they have them the biggest super bowl favorite in week three since the 2007 patriots Whew. which to me is kind of like you think of the top teams in the nfl it's they're usually on the AFC side at this point, right? Like, I don't think anyone... It's cra- yeah, to be that favored in a conference with the Chargers and the Chiefs is pretty yeah. wild. What do you but think... I think they have a point. Like, this team looks really, really good. Other like, than... Miller got added to this team that probably should have, if not won the AFC Championship, like, been at least in the AFC Championship last year. Do you think that there's anything that could derail them other than a Diggs or Allen injury? Like, an individual injury, I mean, or, like... I mean, if their corners keep dropping like flies, I mean, it's just cluster injuries yeah. after that, right? Like, it's just cluster injuries. Because I think even even their pass rush, I think, could survive Von Miller I was just about down. to because I was going to say Von Miller. I was like, nah, I actually... They healthy scratch Shaq Lawson, who they spent a first-round pick on a couple years ago. So Jordan Davis is having, like, the season of his life thus far. Yeah. Um, I guess perhaps maybe losing Poyer... Be- but that's more of like a like a, okay you're down all these corners if you were to lose one of your safeties mm-hmm. then i think things could get a little bit hairy because they cover up so much for that dominique talked about a little bit earlier this week um if they were to play like a really strong rushing attack like let's say i don't know philadelphia where you would force one of those safeties to spin down and the cornerbacks no longer had help perhaps yeah. there'd be some vulnerability in that way but um, Miami is not that team, so it comes down to pass rush at that point, though. And if you still have Vaughn on the field, tough to yeah. tough to beat because play action that just means Vaughn Miller more time to get to your quarterback if he's they on the also, right path. 
get Tredavious White back in like two right. weeks. <laughs> so right. Stupid. I think this Buffalo team's really good. Look, I'll be first to say it. Well, I I am I am interested in seeing what happens versus this Miami offense, though. I will say I don't think it's going to be uh, if Tua plays well. I don't. I I do think that they present such a unique challenge for defenses that I don't think it's going to be easy if Tua plays well. So we'll see. If if Miami wins this game, what does that do to the wide receiver market? Do wide receivers like every wide receiver is rooting for Miami, right? You're going to say, what does it do to your Twitter mentions? I got asked <laughs> to sign a Tua apology form after one game. No, They're, get I, out of here! I swear to God, and I'm, I haven't even been a Tua hater. I was. Sh- I'm like, I'm not. I haven't been on TV saying he sucks. They are out here. I know. I know. Mentions. Tua's leading the league in passing yards. Can you name the next two quarterbacks behind him? Is Jared Goff one of them? It's Carson Wentz and Joe Flacco. <laughs> so I don't know how I'm supposed to take week two passing yard leaders. Uh, I love you that. know, kind of kind of tough for me to compare that one to one to like um, quarterback I, rankings. I also think like they have a really good coach. It looks like and yeah. that will also win them football games or keep them in them. So. I I guess I'm kind of surprised with McDaniels being a good or McDaniel being a good coach. I felt like the way he handled do you remember at the combine he had the presser where he was talking about Zaven Howard's contract as a bit for uh Rich Eisen? He had yeah. that oh he, he was doing find all that these clip. Bit, bits all yeah he was season. doing a, he what he did a bit answering a question about Zaven Howard like holding out. And wanting a new contract. And I was like, whoa, he seems kind of like in over his head. He does the things where he's like, yeah, I wear sweaters in Miami so that I know how hot it is on the field so I can feel like a player. But he's been doing a pretty good job. I just thought like this Miami team had a lot of things going against them. And the fact that they're 2-0 and solves a lot of those problems. When the team had aspirations of Sean Payton and Tom Brady yeah. and they start the year with Josh McDaniel and Tua Tungvaluwa, there are a lot of ways for this to go negatively, and it seems like they've gotten I, over that hump at least. I do want to see if it's if like it almost is like that Bengals game. If there's a bit of an if like maybe the Ravens defense is just a lot worse than we thought. And, I, I'm telling you, I well, watched that were, game and I was like, this Ravens the, the again, DBs worry me. McDaniel, you know? I thought he did a fantastic job of like attacking them. You know, like yeah. really identifying getting mismatches out there, obviously with his play calling, but also um, just finding their weak spots and taking advantage of it. So it's, you know, we'll see. Just, there are weak spots in Buffalo right now. So we'll see how it goes. I am, of course, leaning Bills though. I will probably always lean Bills for the rest of the season. All right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk about a few more games. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Question one. Raiders-Titans. Which one of these teams will be 0-3? Give me the Titans. Yeah. Has anything gone wrong for the Titans? Has any team ever been a one seed and then started the next year 0-3 and everyone not really been surprised? Because that one might be what we're on pace for. I'm actually a little bit more confused about the Raiders than the Titans. I just, that's actually wrong because they've lost two close games. So actually I'm not that confused. Um, whereas the Titans, obviously they did lose a close game, but it was to the Giants where the Raiders have lost to like, you know, they lost to the Chargers and they lost to Kyler Murray going nuclear. So they're definitely like, they feel like the better football team. 
Um, and I also think the Raiders, like, that offense still isn't quite clicking the way it should be uh, yeah. for a litany of reasons. Devontae are... had, like, 12 yards last week. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not going to happen again. It's so weird, but it's not going to happen again. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely I agree with you, uh, Raiders. Boy, Tennessee, man. I think Vrabel's safe. I, I'm sure. Vrabel won coach of the year. I know. Three games ago. It's it's nuts. But it's like they didn't know. They knew that they weren't good coming into this. Right? Too, so yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. Okay, question two. Ravens, Patriots. Um, are you a little bit worried about the Ravens in this one after what we saw from their defense? Yeah, a little bit. But the I'm Pats still, offense, so. Yeah, I'm still leaning Lamar. This is just purely I'm leaning Lamar in yeah. this game. But that defense certainly has me worried. If 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 Mac throws for like three hundred against this defense, I'm out on Baltimore making the playoffs. Even they though need, they have a crazy quarterback. I don't Mac like he looks worse, man. I I, yeah. I and some of it's not his fault, but whatever it is, it's not just like arm strength too, it's like mental they they I mean week one he threw a pick right to a guy it was so weird the Patriots coaches just need to find ways to make to like get him playing in easy mode right now yeah and this is the defense where it actually looks like that might be possible so we'll see all right let's get into the mud Texans Bears (sighs) give me give me Texans Ooh. Justin Fields has eight completions beyond the line of scrimmage. Oh Again, God. eight. It's week brutal. two. Brutal. 28 pass attempts, eight completions beyond the line of scrimmage. I think the Texans pass rush is better than the Bears offensive line too. So, Yeah. Oh, the Bears offensive line was getting dog walked against the Packers. It was not great. Um, but the Davis Mills train, had it, it only took two weeks. It feels like. It, it firmly has gone off the rails. <laughs> the, the Davis Mills is actually the best quarterback in his class train. That's oh, good. Who man. said that? No one. I did. I did. Yeah, I've accused, <laughs> I've accused you. I forgot what I accused you. You do accuse me of. What was it, though? Was it? What did I say? You. Were I can't remember what it was, but you're like, you got to stop listening to people on Twitter. There's like, one nobody, person on Twitter who says Nobody's saying that. Yeah. Okay. So the. Di- no, but you know what? There were people who said that. I there are people who said they would up. take Davis Mills over Trevor Lawrence? Yes. Find him. I don't know. I bet I can. All right. We'll have him tarred and feathered. If you're in my mentions and you find something like that, send it to me so I can present it as evidence. Um, yeah, so gross. I think Chicago's terrible. Let me see who's I don't know. I can't believe it's taking I you. See. I want to see. No, no, no. I want to. Dude, the Texans are not. I, I think the Texans, like I said, I think I'm picking this one because I think their pass rush is significantly better than the Bears offensive line. Hold on. I want to see what the line is. Don't look. Guess. It's in Chicago. Um, yes. Houston by two and a half. Chicago by three. So no. Like, so it's a pick him. Wow. That's crazy. Chicago's terrible. They're overvaluing end of game carries to Montgomery. <laughs> salty. When the Packers you're were salty. in bad personnel. You're, you're salty about those carries. Oh, this is so gross. Okay. I'm going to stay in the mud. Seahawks. Falcons. 
I'm I'm taking the Falcons. I probably will too, but I know that if we both take the Falcons, they'll disappoint us. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I guess I'll go I'll go Seahawks. I'm not gonna give it to you. This is in Seattle. It has Seahawks by two. Crazy. Um that my, feels, my grand- that actually that feels right. That feels right. Seahawks two in Seattle, so Falcons. Yeah. My uh I'm gonna mention this for uh hashtag Hispanic Heritage Month. My grandmother's a Seahawks fan, right? And she doesn't uh really she 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 she's from Mexico. She moved here in the seventies, doesn't speak much English. So she watches like NFL games and like, uh, what do you call it? Price is right. Right. Yes. Just like things that like, you don't need to understand the language really after the week one game, she calls me and she's, she was asking about Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf exchanging jerseys, right. In the little Jersey exchange, they sign and all that stuff. She in Spanish is just like, what's he doing? Russell Wilson leaving for another team already can't believe it changing jerseys again <laughs> you'd like that got him got him um she's upset she loves pete carroll too but oh my god grandma's he, finally him. got a little bit of heat by the way sherman and katie wright were on the internet talking or a clip of them circulated talking about how pete babied russ which has always been that it's been out there yeah. for a while but i feel like russ got all the heat for i don't know anyways it's probably fair it was always like a he's an extension of the coach which is why yeah, he, he he's the man, the man, not like in a cool way. Um, I think the Falcons' offense is better than the Seahawks' defense. That's why I'm leaning Falcons in this one. How are you feeling two games into the Seahawks' rebuild? What's the what, what's the vibes? The are you kidding me? I feel awesome. We <laughs> we accomplished in the season. Russell Wilson week one, and then prepare for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Which one do you want? What what if you get a uh... Will, I'm gonna wait. Levis, the mayo eating guy. I need more time. I I need more time to watch all these quarterbacks. <laughs> I do think like I would be shocked if Seattle takes Bryce Young because I don't think they're gonna draft. Because he's they would, yeah, he's small. They wouldn't they take back to back small. I know. I love Bryce Young, so that it hurts me. If it's gonna hurt me if they take like that Miami quarterback instead of freaking Bryce Young. I don't think um, that's a problem after watching the Miami quarterback this past week. Him and have Anthony you met John Richardson. Schneider. Have you met John Schneider? Well, he might take that Anthony Richardson who was tabbed as a first round pick out of Florida who has yet to throw a passing touchdown yet. They're going to take a pocket passer. Um, I do think though, I could be wrong in this one and Gino could also play a lot better because you know, the, the Seahawks offensive line looked terrible last week, but it was Nick Bosa, you know? Yeah. So I think that the rookie tackles are getting better and better. They both and look good. Atlanta doesn't have a pass rush either. If it's not coming from Grady Jarrett from the interior, their edges are pretty weak. Yeah. They really, though, had that half against New Orleans. <laughs> I don't know. It's still early, but um, yeah, it's a gross one. Ugh. All right. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Lenny knows that you uh, work for acmepeckingco.com. He wants you to give your review of the full Joe Rogan interview with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um, we know you listened to it because your job. I did. I listened to the three hours of it. Uh I thought the most interesting thing out of it was that the most Apollo Joe Rogan was, was when Roger said that he popped a Percocet during a game and Joe Rogan just could not believe it from coming from a fighting background. He just had a bunch of like United States, like fighting uh, a cat or uh, association questions and was like, wow, you can really pop a Percocet and play an NFL game. That's crazy. They would never do that here. Um, Rogers had that quote. I don't know where it was. The ayahuasca thing. What was it from? You, you have yesterday. To listen, do you have to listen to all of this? 
Yeah, well, listen, everything. McAfee. He said yesterday. He this said ayahuasca is not a drug, and he said words are spells. Okay, so and then I saw Spencer Hall tweeted his sophomore year is now five years long. Yeah, he said he did the he did the ayahuasca thing as a plant, and I was like, sophomore year of you and I have joked about this. Also, we, like he's a freshman we, in college. I, I I'm like actually like the whole like this is from the earth argument. That's a high school argument, not to yeah. blow up my own spot here. But like, that's something you say in high school, not college. I don't know. Maybe Spencer met high school. Anyways, um, God, Godspeed to you having to consume all that content, man. Yeah, it's that he has. A, so drug drugs, it's not a drug. It's a plant. He got the tattoo. He's a libertarian. This is classic, classic college freshman, I think. <sighs> well, I know you would still run to traffic for him. If but when I've seen him throw that ball, <laughs> just every time, I just like look at it and then I'm like, man, if we can win the Super Bowl this year, I want to believe. I want to believe we can beat the Bucks. Let's do it.